I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm Francie, and today we're joined by our lovely Out of Spec friend, Max Patton. Thank you for coming on. It is the lovely fall season. It's getting chilly, which I know we're both enjoying. So how are you doing on this lovely weekend afternoon? Hi, Francie. I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, Enjoying the uh, season, getting a little bit spookier, a little bit colder in Colorado because we have so much sun. It's still, thankfully, warm enough. Uh, so I'm able to get good driving range in my EV. I'm able to have a good time, spend time outside. Uh, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love to hear it. Yeah, a lot of folks are embracing the changing of the seasons. Uh, the Halloween decorations are getting honestly creepier and creepier in my neighborhood. So some people really go all out. And they I take it very seriously the here they in take my neighborhood it. too. Do they really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people, it's like their absolute favorite time of year to get spooky, which... I love the dedication and the passion. Yeah. You know what scares me, Francie, though? Hmm. Paying high prices for things. Max, that is a really great segue to what I want to talk to you about today, which is the price of EVs. And they've changed over time, of course. They've become a bit more accessible. But the EV pricing that uh, we've seen over the past recent history, we've actually seen trends of it becoming more and more affordable to buy an EV. But today, yeah, I want to talk to you about some recent headlines about how EV prices have changed from last year to this year, a bit more of the history of EV pricing, what really influences it, what is spooky to other people, which is basically cost of EVs, the range, and um the charging, you know, how they're going to be able to charge. Those are the main concerns. And dive into this with you, spit out some interesting uh, findings that surveys and research has found, and then kind of see what you what you think about it, because it is a really important topic, and it does remain a large hurdle in folks going electric. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, one big part of the debate, like I said, that is keeping people from switching is the price point. And that means the biggest challenge to the industry really growing, to electric really taking off, is figuring out the ways that automakers can 
it can bring down the price. And of course, there's federal tax incentives and even incentives from automakers to make it more approachable and affordable for people. But we're going to have to see how that carries on. And I was actually looking into a survey, which I will bring up if you are tuning in on the internet on YouTube and you can see it. So this was a survey from AutoList. And basically, what uh, AutoList, first of all, I'll tell you, this is an online car buying site that aggregates thousands of car listings from other websites in one place. And they have a lot of folks shopping on the website, of course, looking for cars. So they have a lot of surveys that they can uh, put out and get a lot of interesting data points. So AutoList has an annual electric vehicle survey, and it asks more than uh, more than 3,000 people about, let's see, 3,100 people over that to that who are currently shopping for cars and got a feel for their sense of EVs, whether they were going to buy them, not going to buy them, and all those interesting influences that are coming here, so, coming in. So this was conducted this year between February and July of 2023. And I want to tell you a little bit about what they found. So if you go through, you can see this is um, this is kind of a taking the survey and putting it into digestible points. So they saw that the key concerns about EVs that were that they're too expensive to buy or lease. So 42% of survey respondents reported this, and it is down about 7% from 2022, but it's still a hefty chunk of people. They also, if you dig a little bit more, um, they did find that if you get a little bit more granular and ask folks who are in a specific income range, making up to $30,000, they found that 46% of those making less than $30,000 said that the EVs upfront costs are a major hurdle. And lots of folks, you know, for quite reasonably argue that EVs will have cost savings in the end, but that it's that upfront cost that just people can't really handle sometimes. And I also want to note that there was an interesting figure they found uh, that they asked survey participants if they ever saw themselves owning an electric vehicle. And uh, let's see, I don't know where this is exactly on the page. Let's see, 39. Um, percent. Yes. Okay. So for starters, they asked respondents whether they ever see themselves owning an electric vehicle. 39% said yes, while 26% said no. And another 27% said they were unsure. And uh, compared to last year, um, this is actually a decrease in people saying that they would own an electric vehicle from 42% last year to 39%. And then 26 saying just flat out, um, Oh, wait. So that was yes, actually. Sorry. And then 26% said no, which was an increase from 21% last year. So it's, in, I have a bit of a question where we're seeing that maybe these stats of the cost, you know, these initial hurdles and range improving and um, the charging infrastructure getting better, maybe isn't having the exact direct links to folks' impressions on buying EVs as we would expect. And this is curious because to cite another study, according to the U.S. Department of Energy's Renewable Energy National Renewable Energy Laboratory, NREL, which we talked about recently on another podcast, and the Idaho National Laboratory, like I said, EVs do save their owners between $4,500 and $12,000 on operating costs, depending on where people live. There's a couple different factors. But my question here that I kind of want to pose to you, Max, is... One, is the information on EVs getting clearer or more convoluted? What are folks understanding from what they're reading and seeing? And two, are the main barriers, barriers of cost, range, and where to charge 
which seem to be improving if we look at the numbers, actually becoming more of a concern for folks. What do you think? Yeah. So I'll just say first off, you know, with a lot of the work I do at a spec guide explaining EVs to people, it's not like things are getting any simpler. The market is becoming more diversified. There's more options coming online, which is great to see. Uh, but there's been so much confusion. I've covered this, but like the incentives, both federal and statewide. Uh, and then you have the still just a lack of vocabulary, I think, in terms of shopping EVs that people have that makes sense. MPGE is a metric I've talked about on Out of Spec Guide and like why I don't love it, uh, right? Like people don't understand that. And I don't think people, the average buyer is understanding kilowatts and kilowatt hours and concepts like that. And so it's really up to dealers and the brands selling EVs to do a better job of educating that. And I don't think like the market as a whole is doing amazingly there. That said, the demand for EVs seems to be strong. It seems to be there still. It's just to me like still unrealized potential. It's a little bit frustrating because like there's so many reasons that like there should be more EV availability. We're in a situation now where uh, there's more of them. There's more inventory. There's more of them on lots. There's a few more options in the market. Still not enough, but it's there. It's just the consumer knowledge is lacking at the moment. Yeah, I'd say I've definitely seen that too. And dealers are very busy folk, right? They're moving a lot. They're talking to a lot of people every day. And then to add in what definitely needs to be done by automakers, which is a lot of, you know, workshops to make sure that dealers are completely up to date on the EV world. And there's a lot to take in. I mean, we do this all the time and there's, we're still learning a lot. It's a big undertaking, but having experts right there with folks in person to be able to give them information about EVs to clear up any myths and be confident about that is, is definitely an interesting challenge that uh, automakers must step up to and make sure that mm -hmm. their dealerships have all the information that they need. And it's just an interesting topic. And I, I love your videos on, on guide and they are very, very helpful. So if you're ever looking to maybe help either answer a question for yourself or for someone else, make sure to check out Max over on out of spec guide. He is really great. And then also, Max, so of course, we were talking about the cost of EVs. And this was one of the headlines we saw this week. You can see it with electric right here uh, from Michelle Lewis. The average EV is now $14,000 cheaper than a year ago in the US. And so what she's referencing here is this new report that came out from Kelly Blue Book. Uh, and it's also, that's a Cox Automotive Company. So you see here, this is the data that they've put out and essentially, yeah, it's true. So where they're getting that number of $14,000 cheaper is that this recent release, it was on October 11th, I think, uh, the new vehicle transaction prices came out and they compared recent history to this year. And they note that in September, you can see right here, so it has categories of the kind of cars sold and then different um, month over month or year over year changes and different points in time. So the third one down, we see electric vehicle. So... This was um, the average price this year for an electric vehicle was, as you can see here, $50,683, $50, which was down from $52,212 in August and down from more than $65,000 one year ago, which is that $14,000 uh, number that we're going for. And there are big incentives for EVs also, uh, where we saw them 
you know, not only from uh, the federal government that have improved and they'll change a little bit in January. And I'd love for you to talk about that exactly how you get your tax credit, but also automaker incentives. So that this is really a big jump though, from one year to be down $14,000. So yeah. we're seeing this, this point, but we're still seeing hesitancy from the public ongoing EV. So do we, what do you think? What do you think about this number and this change? Yeah, well, yeah, well first off, it, that's a big difference. And I think it's interesting. It says here uh, that the transaction prices don't include applied consumer incentives. So like tax credit here wouldn't apply. The point of sale doesn't kick in until next year anyhow. So mm -hmm. this is right. EV prices falling by that amount, $14,000 transaction price without any kind of uh, um, without even the incentives applied. It could be even greater, right, when you factor in are more and more people getting these incentives. I think what's interesting is that uh, it's doesn't, um, it, it says a lot that they group, right, vehicles by like SUV, pickup, luxury, minivan, and then they group mm -hmm. electric vehicles in this like own group of its own. So like, it, yeah. I, I don't know, Francie, like if people are buying pickup trucks uh, or SUVs or specific kinds of EVs, how those prices change, I don't know. Just for EVs broadly though, it tells me that it's not that people are picking, I think, lower cost EVs or there's more lower cost EVs. It's just like you were saying, there's still this struggle of uh, demand basically of, of uh, uh, for years, we were in a situation where you would uh, see EV pre-orders come online and production was extremely limited for a variety of bottlenecks. And as of those have eased up, the, uh, the assumption was, oh, we're just going to continue to have all this demand filling in and it's just not coming in. Uh, and we've seen this Tesla lowering their inventory prices. I see it in like around where I live in Boulder, uh, Nissan Arias and all kinds of EVs just you know, sitting on lots. It's a very common story now. It's not to say no one's buying EVs. It's just that the supply bottlenecks have been, you know, unchoked so much. Uh, the consumer demand is just more iterative, I think. Uh, and so as a result, right, market pressures, the price naturally comes down a bit. Uh, I wish I could say this was because of a better affordable like EV options, but right here we are and uh, great affordable options like the Chevy Bolt are going uh, out of production this year. Uh, and I'm hoping like other EVs like the Equinox EV from Chevy would replace it. But generally, Francie, to me, it seems like the trend is still in terms of available new EVs. There's not that much more that's affordable on the market. I would love to see like the upcoming Rivian R2 vehicles uh, and the upcoming, of course, Volvo EX30, like vehicles people are really excited about. I can't wait to see their impact. But right now, this isn't an impact from cheaper EVs. It's not an impact from just the incentives alone being applied because those aren't included here. It just seems to be the case of, um, of demand and more supply. That is an interesting point. And I did see people point to that, that the supply has com completely changed to what it was in the past. And the director of industry insights at Cox Automotive, who you know, that's where the study was conducted, along with Kelly Blue Book, commented that the supply and the choice of EVs is likely a growing factor in EV sales, which hasn't totally, you know, dropped off, but that you know, there's like 15 new EV models, she said, for sale that weren't available a year earlier and better choices and more options that are pushing the prices lower and driving those higher sales. But you're right. I mean, the, you know, it's still not, it's, it's not a huge, it is a big price point drop. Yes, but it's still a high price point in general. So I can see why there's 
the industry has felt the changes from a less bottlenecks and less supply chain and, you know, more offerings out there as well, higher competition of really, you know, quality cars, but it will be interesting to see how they continue to release cars in this sector and include a wider variety of the market that's looking to buy a a new or a used vehicle that is more in their price point. So I'd like to talk a little bit about what we think or what we know also influences the uh, EV sticker prices. And there's, of course, the tax credit, which you spoke to that you're going to be able to get at point of sale in January, right? Can you give me just a few more details so I make sure that I completely understand that? Yeah, so that's going to be a big deal, right? The current tax credit, whether it's thirty-seven fifty or seventy-five hundred, depending on battery, mineral, and critical component requirements, different vehicles get different amounts. It's a cool thing. You get it basically as a non-refundable uh, credit on next year's taxes. The issue has been that for folks who don't have enough liability, or just in terms of waiting, right? It was a credit that you got later. Uh, you didn't get to realize it right away. So this is going to be a big deal for folks with uh, lower incomes for whatever reason students, retirees, um, lots of categories fit in here of people who, uh, if they could realize the tax credit, maybe wouldn't realize all of it. The hope is with point of sale, we have to see how this actually shakes out, but that dealerships can basically give them a discount on the price of the vehicle. It's going to work like a down payment that also works to uh, help against the trend of like really high interest rates, which is, I think, another reason, Francie, why people might be just skeptical of uh you know, high vehicle prices in general. I'm so glad you brought up that earlier point that like, yeah, okay, it's a 20% reduction. That's large, but it's still right 50, uh, what is it? Yeah, $50,000 transaction price at this moment. That's still higher than most of the categories they have listed. Um, Really, it's only cheaper than luxury and performance cars. And not all EVs are luxury or performance. So like, there's still so much of this market to capture. That's a great point. Yeah, exactly. And when I think about how they're going to continue bringing the price down, I think about how also it's just kind of more expensive to make EVs. And some things to consider is that, yes, there are incentives. It will be very interesting to see how the uh, at point of sale pricing includes more people to be able to go electric and also just really how that is uh, going to play out in actuality. And we'll love to have you keep a keep a finger on the pulse for that. And um, we've seen some major Chinese brands be able to really lower their competitive pricing due to lower production costs. So improvements along the production line so that they're able to bring those down and remain super competitive. And also in, you know, what might bring it down is enhancement in the battery manufacturing supply chain. So um, innovation there in general, and also perhaps the lessening of bottlenecks along the way will just make it be able to flow better. And I've seen a lot of different partnerships come into play in terms of trying to either bring it onto one continent. So there's less of the traveling between the parts, but also innovations in recycling and raw materials, which also take a lot of capital up front, our new technology, of course, and also just seem to be quite an expensive thing to do it. Not that I'm against it at all. I'm very for it. And I think it's very interesting, but there's, you know, these raw materials that must come in that just are expensive. And sometimes there's tariffs on countries that make it harder for manufacturing folks to get those materials and build them into into the EV production line. Or there's, you know, more protectionist controls like we've seen with other countries that influence how other manufacturers are able, able to price out their EVs. So 
What do you think? Is it just inherently going to remain one of the more expensive options or, you know, like what we see with the Bolt where, where they're able to bring it down, but they don't quite have the, you know, amazing technology and the range and the bigger batteries that other EV models have. I don't know. I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical. I want to, I want to see it happen, but I'm not sure how. Yeah, no, you brought up a lot of good points there. And I'm kind of skeptical with you there, Francie. The battery production issues, like batteries will get cheaper. They have gotten cheaper. We've seen this over 10, 15 years. It's not quick enough. It's not fast and quickly enough for these automakers to be able to offer that $25,000, $30,000 EV. Another thing worth mentioning is also general car prices have, interestingly, right, like as we've seen, uh, transaction prices have risen in five and 10 years uh, because new vehicles have to meet so many safety requirements. There's all of these standards. And so as a result, I think people who haven't been buying a new car in like the last decade, which is very normal, right, to keep your car running, when you look at the prices, you're going to get extra sticker shock looking at the EVs because you're not going to factor in that the whole overall market is now so expensive. Expensive. Uh, but the EVs, yes, the batteries, the production, that is just, it's a big issue. Like every time I have the chance to talk to uh, people from an automaker who are, you know, responsible for pricing or like the marketing angle of that, they're like, yeah, batteries are killer. It does not give us a lot of flexibility. Uh, and it's a really tough issue. I mean, the key bottleneck here is just the fact that, right, like you've got um, the U.S. and China, which are countries that you know don't always get along. And yet China, of course, has such a um, uh, such a availability of battery resources and production and refinement. Uh, some of that is coming to the U.S. That's what like the tax credit under the Inflation Reduction Act is supposed to promote. But that takes time. And I don't think we're going to see the effects of that for years. Um, so these upcoming affordable vehicles to be excited about, like the Equinox EV uh, from Chevy that I mentioned, right? The question is like, can they actually make enough of them? Or are we going to be right back in the situation where there's like not enough supply? Uh, and then the Volvo EX30 is not going to be made in China. So it's not going to have the uh, tax credit. And they're hoping just to avoid a big import duty, which is a big thing. So they're figuring out a way to get around that. So um, there's a lot of headwinds still that I think will take years to clear. Hmm. Great points, Max. Uh, it's yeah, I feel like there's not really quite any answers yet. And it, it is a pointing to patience as well. While we love these industries to really be able to keep up, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of processes that we need to be established and scaled up and that takes time <laughs> but we're ready for everyone to go electric as soon as possible at least over here on the out of spec team there's a lot of naysayers and conversations like these you know i, I think it's good not to ignore them because they have a lot of good points sometimes it's misinformation you know a, that happens, but it's it's really important to consider what are the challenges standing in the way and confront them head on and ask the questions like we do here. So thanks for coming on and talking to me about this. It is going to be an ever-evolving conversation. It's really cool to see the price drop up, you know, so significantly from from last year's numbers. And hopefully we get to see that while we also see quality, you know, go up or at least stay, stay, stay up, right? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of these new EVs coming out, right? They have initial quality issues because of the first products coming out. So hopefully that will improve with time. And yeah, the prices stabilize and then also continue to reduce. I think the issue that's been scary, Francie, is just that like, okay, it's great the prices have gone down. That's happened very rapidly and very unpredictably. So like right now for people who are EV enthusiasts, it's like, oh my gosh, my EV has like 
plummeted in value. That's kind of scary, right? Someone who bought a Model 3 Performance uh, from Tesla a year and a half ago, that car is a much lower value than when they bought it now. So, you know, these things are kind of scary right now if you're in the market, even if you have already adopted. Uh, it's like great to see it's coming down, but that lack of stability and the speed of it is um, a little scary. And yet at the same time, like you were saying, uh, the speed of like gradual cost reductions to enable sustainable price reductions, that can't come soon enough. That is unfortunately just slower moving and that's the way the world works. Mm -hmm. we, I'd love to get more folks on the podcast who are a part of those, uh, you know, those key efforts and organizations that are going to be absolutely essential in making this happen and get their perspective of where they are and what challenges they're facing. And yeah, really cool conversation. So thanks for coming on to talk about it, Max. I'd love to hear what questions folks have in the comments. And of course, if you're enjoying these kind of conversations, like the video, subscribe, become a fan, go over to Out of Spec Guides as well and check out Max and his work. Um, really helpful. And especially, you know, clearing up a lot of the confusion around EVs, because just as this conversation proves, there is still, you know, hesitancy, confusion, and we're happy to get on, clear it up and, you know, continue to ask questions and see what answers are out there. So thanks again, Max, for coming on. I hope you have a great rest of your day in the fall weather of Colorado. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Francie. And yeah, everyone, I'm going to say it. You're going to have to subscribe, whether it's on YouTube or a podcast platform. Listen to the output Francie is putting out. There's a lot of great stuff. I'm happy to be on uh, for this one. But man, like if you want to follow the EV market, uh, out of spec podcast, uh, maybe a little biased, but seems like you're doing a great <laughs> job uh, keeping up with it. Thank you, Max. I appreciate it. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next time on the Out of Spec podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.